Hi, this is Dan Corver, uh, pastor here at Dalton Hill Baptist Church. <clears throat> we're a small Baptist church located in Owasso, Oklahoma. We're small enough to know you, but we're big enough to serve you and for you to serve as well. Our vision is to rescue, restore, and return to service. Rescue a non-believer or a believer who has been hurt or is lost. Restoring them to Christ in fellowship with other believers with the desire that they in turn will help others along their way. The, uh, we've been going through the uh, signs of life, if you recall, and uh, and what you know brought it on is just basically how do people know when you're a Christian? And so we want to look at it. Remember, the first week we talked about our aptitude, Christ's way, our God's ways, not our ways, and so it's going to affect our aptitude, recognizing that it won't always make sense, just like she was singing about in the song. Just our attitude, talking about you can rejoice in things when they don't understand what's going on. And in your actions, obviously. Just read one again last week. Some of you might remember a phenomenal football player of yesteryear, played for Kansas, went on to the Chicago Bears. A young man by the name of Gail Sayers. His line was, I'm third. God's first, others are second, and I'm third. Most people don't recognize that about him. If you want a good uh, idea, you might read Brian or see the movie Brian's song. It's a pretty good movie about it. But anyway, Gail Sayers. But again, how many of us are, are looking that way? We also talked about turning on the lights and keeping it connected, that we're obviously the light of the world and being connected all the time so we don't miss out on the uh, God's divine appointments, divine directions, divine connections and opportunities, and so often we miss opportunities because we're not really connected to what he's telling us. Uh, we also then talked about passing the salt, we told be the salt of the earth, and uh, obviously salt prevents decay, provides flavor, promotes thirst, and penetrates everything. And then uh, last uh, two weeks ago, uh, and Bill did it last week, which I'm thankful for, was the fingerprints and footprints, the uh, Word of God kind of uh, does it have in our life? The, are we honest? We have the fingerprint of integrity, fingerprint of prayer, and then that of enduring. That's kind of what we looked at. Today I'd like for us to be thinking about uh, dusty shoes and the walk of a believer. In Christ's day, obviously, in order to get dusty shoes, you had to leave the house and do what? Okay, now how many of us are using that and getting out and going somewhere, are we expecting everybody to come to us? When I first started working at the refinery 22 years ago, I had to buy some steel-toed boots and fire, you know, clothing. And so I put them on in the morning, go to work, come home, thinking my boots were clean. Uh, it didn't take me too long to realize that I had destroyed the carpet in the bedroom. For the last 20 years, my boots have stayed at work. <laughs> I've also had to replace flooring <laughs> in the bedroom. You may, I think it's interesting, how many of us think that our, but our boots, our footwear, will tell us where we've been. Whether we think they're clean or not, our footwear is going to reveal to a lot of people where we've been. Is it where we should be or not? Is it... Uh, so I want us to think about that footwear and where we should be. And I want to think, first of all, what path should I be taking? Look over in Jeremiah chapter 6. And 
Jeremiah I greatly admired because God had told him, I want you to go preach my message, but they're not going to listen to anything you tell them. Boy, isn't that a job you want? And I don't want you to ever stop talking to them, but they're not going to listen. And he had a... We've done one on him before, but just the amazingness of what all he went through for God. But in Jeremiah chapter 6, this is what God told him to say in verse 16. When you think about what path should I be on, or should Israel have been on, it's the same path, what should you and I be on? Verse 16. Thus says the Lord, Stand by the ways and see and ask from the ancient paths, where the good path or good way is, walk in it, and you shall find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk in it. And I said, Watchmen over you, saying, Listen to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, We will not listen. Therefore hear, O nations, and know our congregation, what is among them. O hear, O earth, and behold, I am bringing disaster on this people. The fruit of their plans, because they have not listened to my words, and as for my law, they have rejected it also. Notice then, what path should they have been on? Was there a correct way? There was a correct way, but they weren't taking it. Second thing is a choice. Same thing as us. Do we have a correct way we should be following? Do we have a choice to do it or not do it? And obviously it's getting more and more obvious and unpopular for us to choose the correct way. And there's going to be more and more opposition and being called out and being called all kinds of things if we follow the correct way. But notice the consequences. God says what is going to happen. It comes a time. We don't know when the consequences are going to be, but we do have consequences. Now I want you to think about it. Notice he said, I set watchmen. He had Old Testament prophets like Jeremiah that would be up on the watchtower and they see the enemy and things coming and would be pronouncing what's going to happen. And we have the same thing. How many of us are listening to what people tell us? You know, do we have doctors and everything else telling us the same thing about our diet or anything else? You are what you eat. We have a lot of different things going on. and uh, So how many of us are listening to them? So you think about it, what path should I be on? And that's a question that you have to ask. Uh, would we be embarrassed if we were followed? What path we're on? Think about it in Psalms 119, not to turn there. Verse 9, remember it says, How can a young man keep his way pure? And then verse 11 and 105, what did it tell us? Thy word have I what? Thou might not sin again. Thy word is a lamp unto my... Okay, so the Word of God will show us, but how of us are turning the light on? I think it's an interesting. Give you an example. Jane and I were in Birmingham, obviously, last week, and we visited with her brothers, and uh, both her brothers, especially the youngest one, has really become uh, quite an expert in the mines around Birmingham. Both of them are very knowledgeable. In fact, he's being quoted, and there's books and been written and stuff. And uh, so he was taking us, and we were going all over. You didn't even recognize the iron ore mines, and he's gone and explored, gone inside of them, and we were walking and inside of them, and uh, we didn't get inside. We're standing outside looking in, and then taking others, and even uh, to off the Cobb River, saw the coal mines of the Civil War, and 
the openings and still see the trench. It's amazing. You can see the iron ore on the ground and you can see the coal on the ground from that many years later and still see where the trams and the machinery and stuff was at. What do you think happened when we get back to our B&B? We still, you know, you got iron ore on your shoes. We didn't even go in the mine. It's just on the outside of the stuff that dropped. You think about it, what about you and I? What do we have on our shoes? Is it what it should be the dust? It should it be where we're going? It's going to reveal all kinds of stuff about us. I now haven't, in the last 17 years, having to get the refinery also taking care of the wax pit. It's, and you're having to heat it up. And if you, there's nothing nastier than getting it, oh, that or Coke. In fact, with Coke at the refinery, for the, uh, it's so bad that they have special places where they have to put their clothing to be washed. Because nobody wants their clothes washed with somebody that's worked at the Coker. Their trucks the same way. Nobody wants to associate. As they get in your vehicle, it's just nasty. <coughs> Stuff goes everywhere. But the same thing can be true for you and I, too. I think when you think about where are we walking, we may think we get it off. We don't get it all off. And uh, it happens uh, all the time. I come in from mowing. I think it's clean. The next thing I know, there's you can see a trail where I, you know, and Gene's following behind me with the vacuum cleaner. So think about it. What path am I on? Is it the right path? God's given us a warning, not only as a nation, but also as individuals. Punishment will come and judgment will come. We will win. Second thing is, what walk or way or pattern should I follow? And I want us to think, we can turn over to John for a moment. We'll just do mainly in four, but I'll, I'll give you John, uh, in John 20, 21. But I'll quote it to you, but we'll look in John 4. In John 20, 21, Jesus makes this statement, and you all know it, you can quote it as well. As the Father sent me, I what? I've sent you. Okay, so if that's the case, think about it. If you want to know what we're supposed to be doing, all we have to do is look at what Jesus did. Because He said, As the Father sent me, I send you. Mark 10.45 Son of man did not come to, to serve, but to serve and give His life a ransom for me. So my, if He came to serve, then I'm supposed to be here to do what? To serve. Look over in John chapter 4 then. We know the story quite well. It has to do with the Samaritan woman. But notice in verse 34. Disciples misunderstanding. But notice what he says in 34. He said to them, the disciples, My food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to accomplish His work. What was His job? To do the will and the work of the Father. What is my job? To do the will and the work of the Father. You stop and think of it. So the pattern, we're supposed to be just like Jesus. Even when He prayed, not my will, but thine be done. Take this cup from me in Luke 22. Uh, so you think about it, the pattern was to be just like Jesus. The purpose is to do the will and work of Him. How many of us have our will and our work that we want to do? And we basically tell God what it is, and then we want Him to do what? Say, okay. And we want Him to bless it. 
or to do His. And the only way we're going to be happy is when we truly get in line with what He wants us to do. And so the uh, notice over in Mark chapter 2. So we have a pattern. We're supposed to be like Jesus. We have a purpose to do the will and work of the Father. In Mark 2, then what people are we supposed to be going to? And I think uh, it's something to keep in mind. In Mark chapter 2, Jesus is at the seashore, and if you notice in verse 14, he goes to Levi's house. And Levi, if you notice, says he was a tax collector. And how well was tax collectors viewed in Christ's day? About the same. About the same? Yep. Have the government behind? How did somebody get the job of being a tax collector in Christ's day? They paid for it. So they would buy it, and he was called a chief tax collector, so that means he had people under him. And then if the government said, you're supposed to be collecting a dollar, he had the Roman government authority behind him, he could go collect two, and what could he do with the extra dollar? He could keep it. That's why it was so... Notice then, he then says, follow me, and he rose and followed him. Came about verse 15. It came about that he was reclining at the table of the house, and many tax gatherers and sinners were dining with Jesus and his disciples. There were many of them, and they were following him. When the scribes and Pharisees saw that he was eating with sinners and tax gatherers, they began saying to his disciples, Why is he eating and drinking with tax gatherers and sinners? Notice the key there in verse 17. Hearing this, Jesus said to him, It's not for those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. So you think about it, who should we be talking with? That's an interesting question. Who should we be going to? If we're supposed to be following Jesus, Jesus went to the sinners and the ones that needed it. Not to, but most of us want to go where? And you think about the people, the places, you think about it, remember in Acts chapter 1, and verse 8, when you receive power, you shall go be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and then the uttermost parts of the earth. How would we apply that today? What would our Jerusalem be? Right here. Owasso, Broken Arrow, Tulsa, our Judea, Samaria, Oklahoma, the uttermost parts of the earth. How well are we doing? We quite often do well about sending it. And that's why I said, how can you do it with the possibilities? And the places is everywhere, wherever we're going. And then the possibilities, in Matthew, we already saw two sermons already. We're supposed to be salt. We're supposed to be light. First Corinthians chapter 3, it tells us, I planted, Paul was speaking, and he says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. How many of us are sowing seeds wherever we go? We're sowing. But what are we sowing? Am I sowing the Word of God? Do I see a situation and I help? Gene and I saw that with different ones from college and different things just this last weekend. Some who have fallen by the wayside. And just how people really were reaching out, trying to basically restore them to fellowship. And one of them in particular just said, Boy, you have been pursuing me so terrible much. You must have been in marketing. And the young lady was. But why was she pursuing him so much? She wanted to get him back into fellowship with the Lord. 
So I want to think about the possibilities. Uh, tell me if you know who this is. So you remember the walk and the way, the purpose I should follow? See if you know what this prominent Christian group of yesteryear, see if you can guess who it is. Josiah Strong wrote this about this group. Probably during no 100 years in the history of the world have there been saved so many thieves, gamblers, drunkards, and prostitutes as during the past quarter of a century through the heroic faith and labors of this ministry. Charles Spurgeon wrote, If this ministry were wiped out of London, 5,000 extra policemen could not fill its place in the repression of crime and disorder. Booker T. Washington wrote, I have always had the greatest respect for the work of this ministry, especially because I've noted it draws no color line in religion. Who's he writing about? Salvation Army. It's interesting, William Booth is the one who started it, and then Catherine, he married her, and she got involved, and their eight children got involved. His famous line was, go for souls and go for the worst. That's where he would go. Why do you have, how did the band get started? He was a man and his three sons, and they played, they were his bodyguards. Why do they wear bonnets? Why did Catherine design bonnets for the girls? Stuff thrown at them to help protect their head. And if we went to somebody and threw stuff at us, what would we do? Either we'd throw it back or we'd never go back, would we? You think about it. You think about it. But isn't that where Jesus went? Isn't that where Stephen went? Paul. So I think about it when you're looking at it, what you know, walk in the light of the world, where our pattern is Jesus Christ. And what are we doing with it? And I think it's an interesting uh, one when you look at it. What does your shoes reveal about you? Does it reveal what kind of work you do? Does it reveal where places you've been? And I think it's interesting when we look at it. So then what about how do I walk? If you remember, one is that we've already seen in, a, in yesteryear, and we talked about it a few months back, is walking with the wise. We're told to walk with the wise. Psalms 1, obviously, don't stand, sit, or walk with the sinners and scoffers. But in his law, he meditates day and night, and you walk in the light. 1 Corinthians 15, 33, bad company corrupts what? Good morals. Good morals. Proverbs 22. If you remember in 24, if you're around a person given to anger, what's going to happen? You're going to be like it. So I think it's important to know who we walk with. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 22. Let's look at it because we haven't uh, quoted that one often. But uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2 in uh, verse 22. And if you remember, this is Paul's in prison, and according to chapter 4, he knows he's about to die, so he's writing to Timothy. Notice what he says in verse 22. Now flee from useful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Then notice the rest of the statement. With those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Who do you need to associate with? Those of like calling. I was reading just two weeks ago, and then again this past week in two different uh, places. And basically it says, who are your three closest friends? 
you want to know where you're going to be and what you're going to be like, look at the three closest friends you associate with. Good or bad, who do you associate with? Because of the impact that they have on your life. And so I think it's important for all of us, and we uh, can see it when you see it in other people's lives. Uh, were you ever told when you were growing up, I don't want you to hang around so-and-so anymore? Your parents knew this principle right from the beginning. And I think it's so important for all of us to recognize who we hang around with makes all the difference. So one is, how do I walk? I need to walk with the wise. Let me give you another. Look over in Acts chapter 9, one you probably haven't thought about, because we don't discuss it much in the American church anymore. Acts chapter 9, verse 31, talking about after Paul comes to know Christ on the Damascus Road. Notice in verse 31, So the church throughout all of Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace, being built up and going on, notice the next statement, in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. How many of us walk in the fear of the Lord? How many of us walk in the comfort of the Holy Spirit? Fear of the Lord is mentioned 300 times in the Old Testament. But how many times do you ever hear a, a sermon on the fear of the Lord? That's something you used to hear a hundred years ago. But you don't hear much today. What does Paul tell us in 1 Corinthians 9? Why does he want to be an athlete? He doesn't want to be disqualified because he doesn't want to have to stand before the Lord and be embarrassed. If we die today, could we die today? Could the rapture happen today? And if it does, where do we go? Stand before the Lord. So how many of us, when you think about it, are walking in the fear of the Lord? What does the Lord want? But then also the comfort of the Holy Spirit. So when we're looking at it, how do I walk? Do we really look that way? I think it's interesting when you look at this. You remember in the parable of the minnows in Luke 19. You remember all of them were given the same thing with which to be judged on. What is it that all of us have that's the same? Time. We all have 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We're going to be judged accordingly, rewarded. Now, the one on the talents in Matthew 25, he gives according to their abilities. And the same thing happens in Matthew 13. Some produce, you know, 50 fold or 30 fold or whatever it might be. Part of it has to do with the quality of the soil. But God is going to judge us on our ability but with the time we have and how we use it. Most of us compare ourselves to each other. And I always look at somebody who has a lot more talent or when we want to feel good about ourselves, we do what? Less talent. Less talent. And we may only be doing work in half as much as we should, but we have more talent than somebody else does. And so I think it's interesting. Walk with the wise, but walk in the fear of the Lord. Another one, since you're just turn back just a little bit, look over to Romans chapter 6. It's often, you know, this would be quoted in uh, at most of your uh, baptisms that you will see. 
Notice in verse 4, Therefore we have been buried with Him through baptism and death, in order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so that we might walk, notice, in newness of life. How many of us are walking in newness of life? Came to know Christ? Newness of life? If that's the case, we should have a different aptitude. His ways are not man's ways. Matthew 6 tells us, His ways are as we seek what? Okay, it's what we're supposed to be doing, but most of them are looking at shelter, food, job, all the rest. And that's what. So again, if we're thinking, if we're going to walk in newness of life, then we need to have a, a, a transformation in how we walk. And I think it's interesting is how many times do we do that. And so when you look at it, you have the uh, just walking in it, newness, the attitude, the actions, Proverbs 3, trust the Lord with lean not, and part of your ways. Okay, but yeah, I think it's interesting how many times we can quote it, but how hard is it to do that? But if we're walking in newness of life, that's what it's going to take. And you will be misunderstood by a believer and non-believer alike. And you look at it. The uh, Most of you have heard of a place called New Life Ranch. You ever? How did it get started? How did New Life Ranch get started? Reverend Heck is the one who started it. He's also the one that started Tulsa Bible Church. He went around to schools, and I think, Bob, you remember him coming to the little schools. Oh, yeah, he came up the little country school. And yet he wanted a camp. Now, with the money who's going around to little schools, he made almost nothing. How are you going to come up with money for almost a thousand acres to buy and start a Christian camp. <coughs> but that's what God was laying on His heart to do. And He went out on faith. And obviously it's a phenomenal camp even to this day. <coughs> because He went out on faith. I think the uh, last thing, a question you can ask yourself, do people have what I have? Do they want it? Do people want what I have? That's an interesting question that you can ask. The last one is walk in obedience. Look over in Second uh, John. And we'll end with this one and I'll ask you a question. In Second John, notice in verse 4, I was very glad to find some of your children walking in truth, just as we have received commandments to do from the Father. And now I ask you, lady, not as writing to you a new commandment, but the one which we have from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to His commandments. This is the commandment, just as you heard from the beginning, that you walk in it. How many of us are walking in obedience? Most of us have kids and grandkids. What gives you the greatest joy? For me, it's when my children are walking in the truth. They're you know, making a living. They can make a living doing all kinds of things. Own a house, car, whatever they're making. You know, it's, No matter what you make, you end up spending it, right? But there's no greater joy than hearing them walk in the truth. Now, don't you think that the same thing is true 
of you and I as believers. How many of you ever heard of a young lady by the name of Maria Antoinette? The Queen of France, very young, and she always she liked to go to the different balls and parties of people her age. She didn't like being queen, so she tried to disguise herself in all kinds of costumes. But she never completely succeeded at any of them. Why? Why was she unable to succeed in all her different disguises at any party she went to? Why? Her swift, purposeful gait was her trademark. How she walked. She didn't change how she walked. So no matter what she wore, people would look and say, oh, she didn't change her walk. What about you and I? Does our walk give us away? I think it's important what would other people say. Their walk's a Christian or their walk's a hypocrite or whatever it might be. So think about these questions. Where should I walk? What path? Jeremiah asked the question, what path are we on? Who have I served today? We're supposed to be out serving. What have I done for Christ? And we will be asked that one day. For whose glory? And then, I think it's interesting when you look at it, do people want what I have? People will want what you have. And I think if you are truly finding peace, that's part of why God puts us in the difficulties He does. Because then if we respond correctly, people will want it. Because they know we've got something that the average person does not have. So think about it today. When you look at it, you remember, look at your shoes. Does it give you a way as to where you work? Where you've been this last week? You look at my work shoes, I guarantee you, you know I've been in the wax bed, I guarantee you. We'd love for you to come and visit with us and fellowship with us. We're located at 8263 North Owasso Expressway, which is on the east side of Highway 169 North, between 76th and 86th Street North. We have coffee and fellowship from 8.30 to 9 Sundays, followed by Sunday school for all ages from 9 to 9.45, and our Sunday morning worship service is from 10 to 11. We likewise have a Wednesday night service for all ages from 7 to 8. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times, and in every way the Lord be with you all the time.